tonight on the 9420 podcast, we have Charlie Dog as our featured artist. track Monterey by Charlie Dog, and we're really excited to have Carla Laco, Greg Riggle, and myself talking all about this artist tonight. Welcome, guys. Welcome, hey. And you know, but you know, you know what album that's off of? That album is off of Goodbye, Charlie Dog. That's uh, that's uh, I think it was the the second and last album of the Charlie introducing Dog. and the uh, goodbye, yeah, <laughs> yeah, introducing, you know, the final, you know. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that track, the Monterey, kind of how it came to be? 
Well, first, let's talk about, you know, you know, this is our new thing, our 9420 podcast here. We just, with, uh, with you, Nicole, and uh, I guess we should all start by introducing ourselves a little bit, you think? Sure, we can do that. I would say, Carl, since you're talking, introduce yourself first. Um, I'm Carl. I'm uh, you know, presently the co-founder of Band Twango, and uh, now one of the one. I'm, I'm plus I'm the other guy of the 9420 podcast. I'm that other guy. Okay, and I'm I'm a guy. You're, um, no, you're 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 the you're some guy. I'm some. Am I some guy? I'm some guy. My name's Greg. You're some guy. I'm the other guy. My name's Greg Riggle. I am uh, excited to do this. This is very experimental for me. I've spent a lot of years uh, working on behalf of songwriters and artists, and really my entire career has been in service to the music. And I'm excited to do this because um, after all those years, almost 30 years, I've really never been that opinionated a lot of people in the music business have made a career for themselves by, you know, kind of putting their opinion out there. That's great. That's not great. You're going to make it. You're going to be a star. You're not going to make it. You're not going to be a star. I've, I never approached my career that way. I just always felt as if I was working on behalf of the music that um, touched me, had an impact on me. And for many, 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 many years, I just worked behind the scenes somewhat silently and on this podcast i'm gonna speak out i'm gonna basically give people an idea of what my opinions are i haven't been able to voice them all those years because i didn't feel like that was serving the we'll, artist we'll, the we'll see the, how opinion you're gonna be well you know you know you know me i'm a pretty reserved guy but um you know, I want to talk about what got me in this and why I have uh, spent my entire working life, um, you know, trying to stay connected to the music. That's the reason I'm doing it. You're giving the people what they want, finally. No, I don't think the people want it. <laughs> no, I do. They, they may. You never know. People are crazy. But you I'm never throwing know what it they out want. there because everybody's got an opinion now, right? And we all have megaphones. We do. We have well, megaphones. Now we, now we have podcasts. <laughs> That's true. Nicole, um, I'm sorry. I jumped ahead of you. You should have introduced yourself first. No, you're fine because I'm Nicole. I'm the girl of this podcast. Um, I'm the managing director here at Bantwango. I'm a certified business and life coach. Um, and I'm really here to keep Carl and Greg on track. <laughs> yeah, we do. we're going to need that. Rain them back in when we need to. Let's talk about Monterey, Carl. Well, should we talk first? Tell them about who Charlie Dog is. I well, thought I, that was going to be the big reveal at the end. Yeah, Monterey. Um, yeah, I, how I, the hell I think with that. The hell with that. You're Charlie well, how, Dog, right? Well, how how can I, how can we discuss Monterey if unless who am I to discuss Monterey and you know tell you well, about? How are we going to play other tracks throughout? You know, the two or three hundred episodes we're going to do, uh, and you not talk about the track. You don't have to write everything, Carl. Okay, so then we can we can edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know we don't we don't we can edit this part out about my, the reveal yet. <laughs> no, let's. We've already revealed it. Don't edit this part out. You're Charlie Dog, and you want well. And there's a stupid reason as to why, but we'll, we'll get to the reason we'll, why at the, the end. Origin, what is the origin of it? 
No, no, you really can't. Well, to make the, real quickly, back in the day when I was in this kind of, I guess the 80s, I was in this power punk pop band and I used to get kind of rowdy on stage and I used to do things like baptize the audience with, with water and throw. And one day I got a little crazy and some person came up and somehow a glass got thrown, you know, not by me, but someone almost got hurt, but they didn't luckily. But the guy, this guy, Pat Kenny, who owned the, the, you know, the bitter end, he booked the, uh, the bottom line and uh, the cat called these clubs in the city banned me from playing in the clubs. I couldn't play. So you rowdy, I can't imagine it. Anyway. So what happened was, a few years later, you know, I had grown my hair long. Because back then I had short, like, you know, punky hair. I grew my hair long. I figured, you know, maybe he wouldn't recognize me because I was doing the solo acoustic thing now. And I figured maybe if I just changed my name, you know, he, you know, um, I could I could play, play these clubs because he's the only big clubs in the city, you know. So uh, that's what I did. It was, so, you know, Charlie's just a derivative of, of um, Carl, I thought. And dog was this nickname my friend had of me, so it was Charlie Dog, and that's nothing. That that was it. It so. worked. That was um, many, many, many years ago. And one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast—that's who you met. You met Charlie Dog. I met Charlie Dog, and one of the one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is because that track that we just heard uh, is not as old as Charlie Dog's career, but. Um, in the beginning, way, way back in what, 1994, um, right. 93, 94, 93, 94 in the beginning, you know, you had a bunch of songs, uh, and I think Monterey is, 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 uh, indicative of the kind of stuff you were doing. Uh, and for me, I, I was just astounded by the, introspection and you know that like the melodies and and there was they were kind of this 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 dark thing that like really forced me as i was listening to kind of think about whether or not these lines had any impact on me and they did uh and so it was this dark thing but yet the melodies were beautiful and so i i, I was just fascinated with the juxtaposed kind of vibe of the whole thing. See, I got that dark thing a lot. And I never thought I was that dark. Everyone said it was dark. I always thought it was just like, you know, it was it was just life, you know. It's you know, not everything is all jumping around. Like I don't know, and you know this as, as being a writer, I think I think writers, most of us or a lot of us, you know, we write to purge. That, that's what writing is for me. You know, so I want to purge something out of me. So when I'm really happy or having a good time, having fun, I don't really want to necessarily get rid of that. So I kind of keep that in. So usually when I'm going through a good phase of my life, I'm not really writing much, you know. But as soon as, you know, things start getting kind of dark and weird, that's when all of a sudden, you know, you know, it's funny how, like, you see when I've dated women, you know, they'd be like, even my journals, the journals and the songs right. would end. Nicole, like, where's your first, buzzer now? If he starts first, talking about his dating life no, on the no, podcast. No, no, it would end the first you, week you we start dating and, and the songs would, no. start, would start up again like a week after we broke up. So that's, you know, at the time of the relationship, there's no like, I write very few love songs for like, like, hey, this is great. Like, 
anyway, so well, I remember. So we, we can go ahead and let everybody know that this this podcast is supposedly going to be about our commitment to music, and hopefully along the way, people can kind of understand our commitment to one another. I mean, I met you in a bar 26 years ago and heard your songs, and I happened to be signing writers to CSAC, and you were managed by this woman in right. New York renowned for pitching her inner circle association with Madonna. And uh, so, you know, at her invitation, I come down there, I hear these songs, I'm blown away. And, but, you know, it's interesting that you say everybody said it was dark because, you know, in the ensuing years, you and I worked together and, you know, I tried my best to um, expose you and expose your talent to the people um, that I thought could do you some good in the industry. And I, overwhelmingly, that's what I heard. You know, we we built this great working relationship, but basically, um, you know, we kind of fell victim to all the music industry cliches and the disappointments right. and, you know, the industry insiders that would tell me, man, that's too dark, man. That's too hard to listen to, man. That's depressing. You know, so I had to, I had to hear that probably more than you heard it. Uh, but once again, back to my original point, the reason I wanted to do this podcast is that those songs hold up and they still impact me the way they impacted me almost 30 almost 30 years ago and it's funny well, it doesn't cut you off but but i do that that's what i do a lot but what's cool is that you brought me down to nashville or you know um then so that's like 20 years now 25 years ago you brought me down to nashville and um maybe i remember because i I'm, I'm used to playing new york clubs at that time and new york clubs were were not that attentive you had to you know fight for your audience and they would be drinking beers and i used to have walk up to people talking and stand over them and intimidate them to just shut up you know because yeah. that was the new york vibe you know playing down in this in, in the village wasn't like so that I come here down, was it so you booked me at the Bluebird. I did, I did I did like a Friday night at the Bluebird. You remember this? And and I'm going down on the stage and I woke up there doing my New York swagger, thinking I'm gonna sweat and yell and scream at everybody. And and I sit there and everyone just sits there so politely and watches me. And like and they listen. And I go, Whoa, what what's this? You know? I didn't know what to even make of it. So, and then, then we did 12th and Porter. We did a lot of great shows back then. I remember then. the 12th yeah. and Porter gig was really, really cool. It was special you because, know? you know, that was, for Nashville, that was a pretty rock and roll place at that time. Right. And so I remember, you know, thinking that you were really com comfortable in that space. It was loud, but yet it was still what you do, you know? But I was still a little too... See, now it, it would go over a little bit more because back then it was still I was still a New York writer, singer-songwriter, and singer-songwriters really haven't made the transition down to Nashville yet back then. That no. came about 10 years later. Yeah, I so think... I was a little bit ahead of that. So I was still considered an outcast when I came down here. You know, so so we we did all that working together, and then you know, I mean, I I'm not sure. I mean, some might say that you know we never made it, but you know, you and I, in in having this idea to do this podcast, we decided for ourselves a few weeks ago that it's like you know what, you never didn't make it because we've never really stopped. 
because right. the music has no expiration date. Well, you know what? You know, that's, Just on that's, that on that note, thing. on that note, let's play a tune that basically you co-produced. You know, because um, because you after after you that, came that to gig, Nashville, we made the record. We came back to Nashville. We got Scott Baggett, who I we, we got to get Scott on this. You know, one of these days. We'll never, it'll about never stuff. happen, Scott. Is well, like, but he can go on the phone. He could do this. He could call in. You know, Scott but, was sheltering in place like twenty years ago. Right? <laughs> he, he never he, stopped. No, he he invented like yeah social he distancing. He's a genius. But but um, and this is a tune I wrote. I remember I wrote this in uh. And it's it's funny about, you know, things that seem deep and dark, but they're not really. They're just, I wrote the, the lyric to this song in the car on the Belt Parkway because we were going into the studio that night to record the demos of it. And this is before I met you. And right before I met, you know, and and we didn't have a second verse. So I just started writing this stuff in the car. You know, why this, this the driver, my friend was driving, you know, into the city. So, um, so I just basically scribble the lyrics down just to you know to get them done you know and uh, it's just funny how songs come together i don't know about you but sometimes with songs they become you find out afterwards when they're done what they were about and, and you know and it's, it's almost like there's like a a channeling going on anyway this is called um that's not the way it used to be that way that's not the way it's supposed to be so let's listen to it
have just listened to That's Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. And before we had you guys listen to it, Carl is giving us a little bit of a background on how that song came to be and at the end of it, realizing that it was completely something different. Um, so Carl, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what that meant? What, was, well, the, the, what I love about that song the best is the recording. Because you know, when, we, when we came down to Nashville, again, another thing I never experienced before was the Nashville, you know, where they write their charts so they get into numbers. a room and they do the the number system and I'm there playing my you know because I don't I'm not I don't know how to read music so I'm sitting there playing the chords and, and I forget all the guys names but they're sitting there all the musicians these great guys we had during gray and um and they're just like you know yeah I got I got they write all these Pat, well, Pat came later. But anyway, so, and I was always, and I had, at this point, all these songs were only done acoustic solo because I didn't have a band at the time. They were all just singer-songwriter, never demoed them out really, just did, you know, just did acoustic and vocal demos. So anyway, so after we record the bed tracks of these songs, just drums, guitar, and bass, you know, my guitar, bass, and drums, we didn't know what to do with these songs. So we get Pat, Pat Buchanan, am I correct? Right, yeah. I mean. Pat Buchanan, Scott gets Pat to come down. He goes, and he goes to me, he goes, he picks, down, he picks up his old Gretsch guitar and goes, how about some like slide guitar and stuff? And like, I go, okay. So he just does all this great slide stuff all around it and made it sound like this kind of bad finger meets, you know, revolver. George Harrison. Yeah, George, it was just this great, it's really, he almost like knew what to do with it. And we, and he just kind of helped create that song. That's why it sounds the way it was. And then with the echoes and it, it, yeah, it was like our little kind of homage to, I think, revolver basically. Yeah. I mean, you know, proof positive that music has no expiration date. I mean, everybody that Scott contracted to do the sessions on the album, I mean, those guys, every one of them has gone on to be like, you know, to work with some amazing people. And right. uh, it's like, I think that record, I think it holds up really, really well. And uh, I think Chris McHugh played drums. Right. Um, and, and, you know, Scott, the sounds Scott got were just, I think, I think they're terrific. I mean, not that 
how old is that record? When did when did you release that? It's, it's twenty five years old. It's twenty five years old, and you know that can be synced to network television tomorrow. You know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's quality work, man. Well, well, because there was nothing, there's nothing trendy about it. I'm sorry. And Nicole. I was going to say, I mean, I'm from a completely different generation from you guys, like 100% very young. Um, Don't rub that in. <laughs> but I would even say when I was listening to these tracks, I mean, you can't place the time when you actually recorded these. Like there are certain genres where it's like, oh yeah, I, I get this was probably done in like the 2000s or like the late 90s or whatnot, but how this was produced and, and these tracks around it, I mean, I would never have guessed that this was 20 years old. It's something that I would even to this day still listen to knowing what my taste is. So I well, would say that it's timeless. Well, that's because Scott, you know, in, in his wisdom, didn't want to go in any way like, um, not the word trendy, but like, he just, he was just bass, guitar, drums, Hammond organ, all organic instruments, yeah. just, you know, solid stuff. No, Plus like you find the right players that have the right influences. Right. Right. So, I mean, and, and as sad as it is to say, I mean, I'm, and this will probably be a, a, a point of contention throughout the podcast series, 100, 200 episodes, however long we go. I'm sure, right. I'm sure we'll do that. <laughs> we get to uh, three. But, you know, the, one of the biggest points of contention will be that I'm not a Beatle guy. You know, right, okay. and you're a Beatle guy. Scott's a Beatle guy. Pat's a Beatle guy. Chris is a Beatle guy. Blah, 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 you know. Um, Which is so odd to me, but that's okay. Byron's a, a given a that. Well, yeah, I mean, and just everybody, to get the age, everybody just to get in the my generation is a Beatle guy, and I'm not. I'm just not. Just to a, get the age thing straight, Nicole is referencing. Greg and I are both 35, and and Nicole is nine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's it. that's it. No, I I had a birthday uh, March 4th. I'm 60 years old, six decades Oof. of excellence, ladies and gentlemen. That is a milestone. Congratulations. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, I, it's, there we'll, we'll get into it in later episodes, but um, uh, it is by the grace of something beyond me that uh, I made it that long. But we're, I'm good. I'm good with it. I, I have actually reached the age where my mind is still uh, writing checks my body can't cash. But other than that, I'm good. Well, I would say... I mean, knowing you had a birthday on March 4th, and we've kind of been talking about things that are timeless um, as these tracks that we were listening to, I think something that we can all discuss is kind of the timely aspect of this entire pandemic that we've been going through for the last, what, four, almost a month now, I would say. We're creeping up on a month where people have just been right. quarantined almost. I know Nashville, it's been about two weeks probably as of Friday or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's taking different time periods. Like I'm in New York city. So we've been, we're like the epicenter right now. And supposedly Cuomo, the governor says it's going to take another two weeks till it peaks. So we're still on the rise. So I don't know. So I don't know where this is going to go to, but. I don't know, but it's affected so many different industries. And I think the music industry has gotten hit particularly the hardest just because a lot of people rely on the well, live not events. the industry, the, the, the artists, the young artists have been hit. Well, the, the artists, industry will be fine. No, the industry will be fine. But if you, if you think about it in this way, I mean, Live Nation, who all they do is sell tickets. I mean, they've completely right. had Yeah, to, okay, you're right. Yeah, they, I mean, that that's kind of more of an industry thing, not just from the artists, but the artists too have been hit particularly just because that's a significant loss of income for them. 
Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about it, actually, um, over the last couple of weeks. I mean, um, I made the transition to work from home six years ago, uh, and I had done it for four years in the late 90s. Uh, and then I went back to my company. I left for about four years. And so all the strangeness is is a little bit hard for me to grasp because, uh, you know, I'm I'm accustomed to um, working from home. I'm accustomed to, um, you know, chasing people digitally. I'm, I'm accustomed to, um, you know, um, kind of not having to make a commute. All these things that people find themselves really disrupted in now. Um, I've kind of been doing all that for a, lo- a long time, but I mean, the thing that concerns me, number one is when the, when the music business pivoted, obviously, you know, live and uh, artists and singer songwriters and bands ability to reach out and engage their audience and, you know, build a little, um, you know, build some tours and, 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 and really do what it is that they love, which is play, perform. Um, you know, that they were relying upon that for the last, what, since basically since physical product went away. And so, um, when you pivot that hard on a business strategy and then all of a sudden that's taken away from you, it's, uh, it's pretty creepy. Well, 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 like a lot of the young artists we work with at Bantwango, that's all they know. They don't even know the business that they were pivoted from because they're all 23, 20, yeah. 25. So this is the business they've always just known. Yeah. Spotify, you know, doing their streams. You know, they, they don't know about even selling CDs, some of them, you know, if you think about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's but it's worse than that because, I mean, you know, the, the great democratization of, of music, you know, when – when people could make a, a, a million selling out, well, a million selling, uh, uh, millions of streams garnered, when you could make a recording that garners millions of streams out there in the market uh, from your bedroom, uh, and when you can win four Grammys on that recording, uh, you know, it's right. like, there, you know, a lot of the gatekeepers have gone away. Well, so what people don't the the downside of all that is when we had the great democratization that now you're competing for the attention uh of people with um you know ten thousand albums out there at any given time you know on social and you know uh on playlists so people make a lot more music it's just whether or not you're going to be uh, uh, whether or not people are going to be gratified by hearing what you do and they're going to engage you and, you know, maybe send you 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. However the case may be, it's like, you know, I'm concerned that everybody's sheltering in place and like the bandwidth going through the roof on. You know, I, I just thought of something. I just thought of something that just, what you just said, just, it totally changes my thought about this. I used to say that the process back in my day was where you had to 
get a band together and then go into the studio and record the music, which cost a lot of money back then because you couldn't afford stuff at home because the equipment wasn't available technologically wise. And then you had to get out and play. And then you had to, if you, if you did make a good record, you had to actually had to get it pressed into a record or make cassettes that cost money. And if you wanted to put it in stores, you had to actually go to HMV or tower or the record store, Sam Goody, I'll really show my age and get it on consignment in these stores go physically to each location, even to go on tour. And I said, and that kind of the process kind of weeded out the people who weren't serious where today. Nobody and, gets weeded out. Well, but nobody, I just thought of this, but today everybody, you know, um, anybody in their brother can just with garage band, make a track, make some tracks, get it up on Spotify through either TuneCore or Dito, Dito music, whatever. And, and then get their social media, Instagram thing going and promote it and and they're up and they're YouTube and they're up there. But what you just said, it struck me as well. What's going to weed them out now is the ones that don't get any success. So what do you mean weed by success though? Well, what I think now, what I'm saying is what's going to ha- ha- happen eventually is like, it's getting so polluted that I really still believe the quality and the cream will rise to the top. And that's why, I don't know, whatever you think of, let's say, Billie Eilish, for example, I think she's quality. Her lyrics are really cool. She appeals to her demographic. You know, women get her. You know, I, I think she's she's right for the moment. Like, the argument of the day about the market. And that's why she rose to where she did. And she has a bit of a vibe to her, makes her cool. We're like, all these mediocre people are going to give up because no one's, they're going to give up. Because they're not really getting anywhere, so that's going to weed them out. I think. Does I don't that make know. sense? I, I, well, I don't know. I, I always tell people, uh, you know, the people I've worked with, if, if you're a real writer, if you're a real artist, if you're a real musician, you know, you're going to do it. You're just going to keep. That's doing what it. I'm saying. So, so the one, so the real ones are going to keep doing. Those people will not be weeded out because they're just going to keep creating content, regardless of whether or not anybody pays attention. And, well, you know, and it's well, like, um, you know, could, and just know. to just to play devil's advocate here, just because we're all at home. And I mean, really, what we're doing now is consuming as much media as possible, because that's all we're supposed to be doing. Um, could it have the opposite effect where they're not really weeded out because people are just searching for things to listen to, that they'll listen to almost anything after they've gone through their kind of normal artists that they've been fans of for a while? Well, it, it's possible, I guess. I mean, my I'll, I'll get all philosophical or esoteric on you. So back in the day, music, what what created value in music and what created value in a career was not that you did four posts a day or that you released 10 records a month. Scarcity actually was what created the value. I mean, right. so right. I mean, it took some bands that became iconic. It took them two or three years in between albums. And granted, you know, they were creating. No, uh, see, now we disagree with you. We disagree with you. But because no- back in the '60s, if you look from from 1966, from from the fall of '66 to um, the fall of '67, the Beatles released Revolver, Rubber Soul. Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour, all in the course of like eight, nine months. So I disagree. Those guys are churning out quality in record 
time. No, no, no. You're, no, you're talking more like the 90s. You're, you're missing my point. My point is that people looked forward to the release of that product and because it was so tightly controlled right aren't you? okay you create scarcity in the market right so oh man i can't wait to hear the new album that doesn't exist anymore yeah nothing, everything's everywhere all the time i easily, can't wait so to go see it, right? them you know it's like I agree. man i hope i get tickets for this for this show you know that's six months away so well, that's, that's the well, scarcity that's, well that's why i love let's say like i'm thinking like I loved whenever I heard John Lennon talk back then. It was so rare to see him on a TV show. Wow. Nowadays, he might be a pain. If he was on Twitter every five minutes and Instagram, he might be a jerk. You for all I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, so well, that, that mystery does create something. I think as he far did, as, didn't he do a whole week with Dick Cavett? No, that was Merv, that was Mel uh, 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 Douglas, Michael Douglas. Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas. But let's get to, let's get to this final song before we before we get out of here because we're gonna we're gonna Which go. You gonna play? Um, it's, I like Lifeboat. Do you want to do life, Lifeboat? Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. And one thing I always said about Lifeboat when I used to tell people about the song, you know, because I, as I started doing this acoustic thing, I started getting decent at, at the rap. Sometimes I would talk as much as I would play. Like if I had a 40 minute set, I would talk for 20 minutes. But anyway, you probably learned that in Nashville. Well, I learned that because it looks at me, I love, I love to just talk and go on and on. But Lifeboat, one thing people never got about Lifeboat. Is that for one? Also, I was in this phase of one-word titles. I love a one-word title, you know. And I love, and plus, I love two words together, like lifeboat. You know what I mean? But um, a lifeboat is, is a temporary thing, you know. That's what people they don't get that it's not this. It's, you know, lifeboat is just you get off when you're drowning, you get out of the water, go on the lifeboat to bring you to land to go to land. You don't stay on the lifeboat. And and that's what this was about. This song, this song's about not to get too into it, but it was about really the song is written to myself for my sobriety. About this is me talking to myself about getting sober. And I got sober right after I wrote this song too. I wrote it. I was still you know in the in the towards the end of my addiction during this song. You know, so that's what that's what lifeboat's about. It's about my song to me. So. Listen to it and, you know, I guess live with those years and see what you think. Crank it up. The clouds are closing in The closet sky is paper thin And I can't seem to trust the wind today Little voice inside has given up on where to hide. It doesn't know or can't decide the words it wants to say. If left up to me, boy, I'd get down on my knees and die. Try, but then I look to your eyes, and all at once I know, baby, you're my life. 
quiet raindrops fall I stop and try to catch them all I never knew that things so small could break The boy with big ideas who rips you for your eyes and ears And justifies this lack of tears with I'm sorry, it's just no way doing this you know this is like we were doing a band twango show uh, podcast but i don't like the interview format exactly i like just conversational you know the way the way we the reason why this thing started is the way we all talk on the phone or when we're together about talking about music how we love music and that's what we want to kind of you know portray on this just like we're just people who love music 
it's sad that it has to sometimes take place within the business that it's in. But with that aside, the music is what we love talking about. And, you know, hopefully we'll just like, you know, get to voice that. We'll get to bring people that we like or, or things that we see that we stumble upon, you know, over time. So it's just kind of an open book how we're going to approach this. That's, that's the way I see this. What do you think? I, I think that I think you should keep that in. Don't edit that out. Okay, I, I'm not. not that, <laughs> well, that, that's, what, that's why I said it. And also, I just want to like you know, at any given time, as you're going to find over time, Greg loves to kind of not in a bad way, but pontificate. And I will just be bugging him and like you know, jerking no, his no, chain the go. whole time. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Well, I, Greg I, has I, the ability to explain call. something in ten minutes. Craig has the ability to explain something that would take five seconds. He can explain it in about twenty minutes. <laughs> one, of, one of the greatest, one of the greatest sayings that uh, I heard in my office many years ago is like somebody said, "What, what do you think of him?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, shit." He's like, you know, you you ask him what time it is, he tells you how to build a watch. Right, exactly. That's what, you know, yeah, exactly. Is that, is you know, that what and, you're trying to say, Carl? Right. I'll just throw my I'll throw my two cents in. So, um, I what my hopes and wishes for this little podcast experiment are basically that uh, people get to hear some stuff that they've never heard before, um, and maybe we can bring a little context. Maybe we don't. Uh, the fact of the matter is, we're still working all these years later in service to the music. Um, and maybe I've along never the met way, a guy, never met a guy with more of a love of song than you. I well, think, you know, really anyone you. out there, he is the song guy, you know, more than well, anyone I've ever met in my life. Truly. I, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I come by it pretty naturally. I mean, music has basically pulled me off a hundred ledges, you know, over the years. And, um, it's just, uh, I, I use it therapeutically, you know? And so, and the fact that I've always wanted to work on behalf of the people that create it, uh, that's just, that's as simple as it gets. And I, I hope that as we do this podcast and as people do start to discover music, they've never heard, um, you know, what it says about our taste, we're going to be curating it. I, I don't particularly care what it says about our taste. It's just things that we love, things that we think are interesting, um, but more importantly, I hope people, some people will get the idea that if you are pursuing a career in music, uh, you need people in your life that, um, that support you and you need people, uh, in your life, maybe with a few skill sets that, uh, you can trust and, and they're going to be there. And, you know, we can talk I, about that as well. Sure. You know, I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been a fan of this music, um, for, um, Years and years and years, and I'm and I'm and, never and in my and in my thirty five years, I've made every stupid mistake you can I, make in I, this I, business. I, I may stop being a fan of yours, but I'm not going to be. I'm not going to stop being a fan of your music. That's okay. So, what do you think, Nicole? Do we, should we stop? Or do we, do we... <laughs> uh, I think we're good. But I mean, what I would say from this podcast is, if it gives artists who are listening in and people, one, the exposure to the new, the new music that we're going to bring to them each and every single week. Um, I think that that's going to be great just because it's going to be things that people are not hearing on the radio. They're not necessarily, it's not in their ear set every day, hopefully. Um, and creates new fans for them. Cause I think that's really what it's all about. Um, but at the end of the day, I get to talk to you crazy dogs every single week. So what's better than that? Oh, 
that's so sweet. Um, So for all of you listeners, make sure that you go and subscribe to our podcast. Um, And if you want to learn more about us, go to 9420.com. That is the number 94 and the letters 20, all spelled out, dot com. And we'll see you all next week. Take care. Yeah, send us some music too.